today I'm finishing, finishing, that's a good new word, let's add that, finishing the, the series called the Joshua chapter, Courage from Heaven. Prophetically, we felt that this season, this time for the church was about the Joshua chapter. It was about learning principles from the story of Joshua as we watch him press into courage. And it's really easy to talk about pressing into courage and it's completely another thing to work it out in your own life. And so I've called this morning, what's your story? What's your story? Joshua's story is profound and inspiring, but what's the story of our life that we're sharing? Courage from heaven is not just something that we muster up in our own hearts. There's that... There's almost that image that you kind of sit there and you're like, right, I'm going to be courageous today. And you kind of build yourself into a, come on. But actually, we're talking about something different, which is courage from heaven. It is God-inspired courage. It comes from his heart. Courage that presses through barriers. Courage that presses through the River Jordan. Courage that says, we will not be overwhelmed. Courage that says no to living in fear. Courage that says that we will stand on the promises of the Lord, that we believe the Lord has spoken here, here, and here, and that we are going to stand on those things. Courage that says that we will stand for the things of God. Courage that says that every single life matters to God. Every single life in this city matters to him. Courage that says we care more about following his voice than looking stupid. You know, that's the picture of the story that we have of the people of God marching around Jericho seven times. And then they have this moment where they shout out loud, they could have looked really ridiculous. But they were waiting on the Lord. Courage that fights for God's love and kingdom to break out in our families, communities, cities, and nation. Courage that says that we will live for your purposes, God, rather than our comfort. One of the strongest things that we come up against in Western culture is my rights and my comfort. But actually, it's a different thing. We need courage from heaven to stand for the things of God. Every single one of us in this room needs courage from heaven to step into the fullness of God's plans for our lives. I want to fire us up this morning. I have one aim, that you'd leave here thinking, wow, God's got more. There's more that the Lord wants to do through my life. I will not settle. That's what I'd love you to come out of. I'm not gonna settle. I'm just not gonna settle for all right. I'm not gonna settle for a little bit of the Lord in my life. I'm not gonna settle for this add-on of the Lord in this bit. We sang, he reigns, that the Lord reigns. What would that look like for the Lord to reign in your life? Jen talked about the thousand acts of courage that we stepped into a couple of weeks ago. But there's a challenge not to let this pass you by. What I've been, there's, I don't know, nearly 170 stories, I think, on there of people who've stepped out in courage. I reckon that's probably 30% of the church. What about the other 70? And one of the things that I really noticed, sorry, and this is not to challenge too strongly, but it was mainly the evening people. As I, as I looked at it, I was like, oh, I think there's probably more people from the evening that are stepping out in this. That's a challenge though, isn't it? It's a challenge for me. It's like, what's that going to look like this week? What does it mean for me to live a courageous life this week? What does that look like for you? 
I wanna share some of the stories this morning because often we, we bring people in to tell stories of courage. These are stories from our community. That's what I love. They're not somebody that we've willed in from the other side of the world to tell us about what it looks like to live courageously. These are people within our own context who are doing everyday things that build courage. Courage from heaven. So I'm gonna read you, these are literally stories from the last two days. And I haven't put them in an order of, I think that's an amazing story, that one's not so good, because I think they're all incredible stories. That's the point. Chatting with one of the other carpenters on site who began telling me about his family problems after listening for 10 minutes, asked if I could pray for him. It's a brave thing to do. His face lit up and he said, yes, prayed a simple prayer for truth and peace. About 15 minutes after that, he had a phone call from his fiance, which I insisted he took. About 10 minutes after that, he came up to me and said, your prayer must have worked because she rang me and it went well, fingers crossed. Just stepping out and saying, can I pray for you? I believe that God moves and I believe that God acts. He can change something in your life. Even though you don't believe in him, I believe. Stand on my belief of what the Lord can do chose to go to the man checkout at Tesco instead of self-checkout, spoke to the woman on the till who had an awful week the week before, was good to chat with her and listen to her. I would always normally choose to go to the self-checkout as I prefer to avoid speaking to people. Brilliant. Do you know what? I put myself out. I did something because I felt like the Lord was prompting me to do it. A young Muslim came to blend this morning for the first time. At the end, he came to help me put away the Bibles, etc., and picked up an Arabic New Testament and quietly said, this is for me, and quickly put it in his pocket. Although he's not been to our church, yet this is an amazing act of courage, as any of his Muslim friends could have seen, praying this is the beginning of an amazing journey for him. I love this one. Facing every morning knowing I'm worth something when I don't always feel like it and holding on to my faith despite extremely painful circumstances, God has a plan. That's literally somebody getting out of bed, isn't it? They're like, my life sucks right now, but I choose to press into the Lord. I choose to say that he reigns today. That's courage. Was in the garden this morning journaling and praying and felt that I just needed to worship. Rather than going inside, I took my guitar outside and worshiped my heart out. Our garden is right next to an alleyway and I could hear so many people walking past, but I didn't stop. (laughs) Walked past a homeless man selling the big issue in town today and didn't have any time to stop. I really felt God willing me to be courageous and make time for this man in my day. So I went to Tesco and brought some provisions and food for him. When I spoke to him a bit later, he told me this morning, I felt like I had no hope, but you've just made my day. Do you know what? The amazing thing, these are small things, aren't they? That's what makes them extraordinary. Just email Cardiff Vineyard office to ask for more open door to have small business type cards, feeling nervous and excited for the start of many conversations. Do you know what? That's faith for what is gonna be. That's courage. Shared my testimony with a guy in the office yesterday, which then led to conversation over lunch around how faith, around faith and how it affects my life. This was particularly challenging as there is an out and out atheist who takes great pleasure in telling me religion is a load of rubbish at every opportunity. It was so amazing to see the rest of the table lean in to hear about my belief and practice. Every single one of those stories is completely different. And at the heart of them is a prompting from the Lord, an openness to what the Lord wants to do. That's what courage looks like. What would it look like for you to be courageous this week? Put that into your context. 
as we finish the series and finish the book of Joshua, we see Joshua at the end of his life. Looking back, we're in the final chapters, 23 and 24. Pick up 23 verses one and two. After a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them. Joshua, by then a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them something that might be very obvious. I am very old. I love that. I'm sure they were like, yes, yes, you are very old. And then in verse 14, it says this, which I think is a really lovely way of putting something. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. Jen has this word, I am wizened. <laughs> I think it's a great word, isn't it? Wizened. But Joshua wanted to gather all of Israel together one last time to prepare them for the fact that he was going to go the way of all the earth and to set them up for success after he was no longer with them. He's preparing them. He's like, I'm an old man, I'm not going to be around for much longer but I want to leave a deposit with you before I pass on. And so chapter 24, which is the final chapter of the book of Joshua, is all around Joshua's deposit. What was it that Joshua wanted to leave with them? What did he want to say to them? Pick it up in verse 11 of chapter 24. Before that, he's just really going back into the story of what the Lord has done. That's one of the things I love about Scripture, is that it goes back to remember what God has done, that our faith is built by remembering. It is exactly the same in our lives. If you want to build your faith and you've been a Christian for a number of years, sometimes it's important to go back into your story to remember where God has spoken and where has God has acted. If you are right now in the middle of a place where you're like, God, I don't know where you are, I would encourage you to go back to where the Lord has spoken. That builds faith. And that's what Joshua is doing. He's standing there and he's saying, remember the story of how we got to here. This is what happened through Abraham. He goes all the way back to Abraham and then he talks about Moses and Aaron and them bringing them um, out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the wilderness. And then in verse, so picking up in verse 11, it says this, so they crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho, this impregnable city, this city that was like, how on earth are we gonna take? The citizens of Jericho fought against you as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Gergerites, Hivites and Jebusites. That's a, yeah, that's a bit rude in my text. But, um. <laughs> but I gave them into your hands. Sorry, let's just move on before you get distracted and suddenly realize, oh, do you know everybody's looking at me. Is that rude? I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Joshua's just reminding them of the Lord's favour over them. He's saying, today you are sitting in this incredible place and you have done absolute, well, you have been on the journey of faith but this is all of the Lord's favor. I am giving you cities that you did not build, vineyards that you did not plant. You are sitting here because I, the Lord, have put you here. Just remember who it is that put you in this place. It's not your own great might, it's me that's done it. Do you know what? We so easily forget the blessings of the Lord, but we can be quick to remember the challenges. Sometimes, again, we just have to reflect back. It's like, Lord, let me, help me remember your blessings. 
And then it goes on into verse 14. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. And the passage is building to a bit of crescendo at this point. And then this is kind of the key verse for this morning. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is the situation. You choose this day who you're going to serve. But as for me and my household, we are going to serve the Lord. This is the key verse for me in this whole section. That Joshua's just encouraging them. It's like you find yourself in this place now. It would be easy to go back to worshipping the gods of your ancestors. But let's just remember what he's done for you. Let's take a moment. And as for me, I am declaring this day over you that as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. He's putting a stake into the ground. Worship, he's saying, I implore you, worship him with your whole lives. And do you know what? I've been thinking about this word serve for the last two weeks because I think serve can be a slightly overused word in church circles. And when we think about serve, we're like, join a team. And do you know what? There's nothing wrong with that and it is good. And if you're not on a team, get on a team. Um, but this talk isn't about that. So you just reflect on that, get on a team. Uh, I encourage you wholeheartedly to join a team would be a better way of putting it. Um, But I don't think this gives you the sense of gravity of what Joshua is talking about right now. What would it look like for you to stand and declare this statement? As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. How does that outwork? What does that even look like? As for me and those I'm responsible for, we will serve the Lord. What does serve mean? Well, just breaking it down, I think it means to listen and to obey. If you want to live a courageous life, you have to listen to the Lord and obey what he says. The key for me to courage from heaven is to listen and to obey. When God brought the people of Israel across the River Jordan into the promised land, he gave them a very clear assignment, an assignment that really prophetically illustrates the assignment that we have as his children in the new covenant. The Israelites were to conquer the land. They were to spread their tribes throughout it. Pete spoke last week about taking different sections of the land. And ultimately, they were to establish centers of worship and cities of refuge in each region. That was what it was to look like. Likewise, if we bring it back into our context, when Jesus commissioned us as his disciples to go into our promised territory, all the, all the world, that's what we got. They had the promised land. Jesus commissioned us into the whole world and make disciples of the nations. What was he asking us to do? He was asking us to displace the influence of the kingdom of darkness and release the reality of the kingdom of heaven. We have a value that we call kingdom carriers. And it's just this idea of, that's what it's talking about. At the heart of it, we carry the kingdom into every environment that we go into. When we know who we are in Jesus Christ, we carry the kingdom into that environment. That environment should change because of what the Lord's put in us. What is it that he's put in us? The spirit of the living God. Environments change, people change when we carry the kingdom. 
So you've got this parallel going on all the time. And it's really interesting when you read the Old Testament because it's, it's written into a context. And sometimes you're like, well, this is about conquering the land. This is about the promised land. What does that mean for me? And all the time we're kind of wrestling between these two things of, was that written to Joshua or is that written to us? What, what can we take from that? And I think it's underlyingly what the question that we're asking, what are the principles that we can take from here into here? And you, we have a parallel going on all the time. As it is for us, the Israelite success in fulfilling each part of the assignment was dependent on their ability to do what God had been training them to do in the wilderness. For 40 years, he'd been training them to follow his manifest presence and to do what he said when he said to do it. That's the training that they'd been under. To follow his manifest presence and to do what he said when he said to do it. And on what did their ability to follow his presence and obey his voice depend? Well, God makes the answer to the question clear to Joshua when he commissioned him to lead the Israelites in this assignment. And just coming back into chapter one, which is where this idea of being strong and courageous comes from, I'm just going to read to you one, five through nine again. It's almost like the beginning. Today, I'm almost speaking on the beginning of the book and the ending of the book. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. This is to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Interestingly, God sets up Joshua's commission. This is the moment God's speaking to Joshua and commissioning him to do this with the same promise he gave to Moses when Moses asked, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Sorry, God simply answered, I will certainly be with you. If I've asked you to do this, I will be with you. That's exactly the same for us and the Lord. If the Lord is asking us to do something, he will certainly be with us. Similarly, Jesus' final words in his great commission to us were, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. The implication of this promise is twofold in that God's presence among us determines our identity and consequently what we're able to accomplish. But also we must develop a growing awareness of God's presence among us if we're to draw from that presence and walk out our God-given assignment. Our awareness of God is what determines how we respond to him and how we perceive reality and how we live. It's an extremely important requirement, sorry, important element required for us to be successful in following and obeying God. And we can really see this if we look at King David because he spoke of this provision, what I'm talking about here when he said, I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. The word set means to place. I have placed the Lord continually before me. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about serving the Lord. I will set the Lord continually before me and I will not be distracted. When we increase our awareness of God's presence, when we begin to see God in the little moments in our life, the commands that God gives us seem so much more doable. 
God with us must become the platform for all of life. And Joshua received a key principle of victory in the exhortation to be strong and courageous. This exhortation was obviously important as God repeated it three times. Whenever the Lord says something three times in scripture, we have to take notice. Has the Lord ever said something to you three times? Great courage and strength would be needed. But the final repetition in this passage, I think, is the most significant because it makes a link between it and the promise. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The truth he gave to Joshua and gives us to us in this exhortation is simple and profound. Our strength and courage to do what God has told us to do flow directly from our awareness that God is with us, obedience in his presence. If we genuinely don't think that God is with us, then why would we step into courage? It's the starting point, is that we have to believe that God is with us. And I, and I think sometimes when we talk about this, we think about these big moments of God has to be with me in this massive decision. And I think that's part of beginning to change our mindset, is that, do you know what? The, the, the awareness of God being with us should be in every moment of our life that it's a daily moment by moment thing. How do we begin to step out in courage? Because we know that God is with us and we know that God's asking us to do something. But it happens in the small moments. And so even choosing to step into courage comes out of this starting point of God is with me. That God, you're with me and therefore I'm gonna step out because you're with me. You're holding me. The more we listen and obey, the greater the impact that we'll see. The courageous heart is formed in small things. Radical obedience, because it's a matter of a relationship, is always a heart issue. Whatever fills our hearts will fill our thinking and behaviour. Whatever goes on in there fills our thinking and behaviour. When we meditate on his word, and that's why this moment where it talks about meditating in in verse 8, meditating on his word, it fills our hearts and our minds with truth. The truth of who God is, the truth of who we are, the truth of where we've come from, and the truth of where we're going in God but it's our responsibility to fill our hearts with the truth because if we don't, we allow our hearts to be filled with the lies of the enemy. When you walk in radical obedience, you have sustained confidence to face the difficulties of life. And it's these two things that I just wanna spend a moment on, the lies of the enemy and the difficulty of life. Because the truth is that some of you have disqualified yourselves from pushing into courage because of the lies of the enemy. And they are this, you are useless and you are incapable of doing anything. And those lies keep us completely bound and they render us completely ineffective in the kingdom. And they are absolute lies over us. And the lie at the heart of it is God is not with you. So it's changing this mindset from God is not with you to God is with me. And that's the moment that that God is with me. It's a courage moment. Others of you are living right now through incredibly tough circumstances. And that's what I loved about one of the stories that I told you today. One of them that I just read out, which is basically, my life is really difficult right now. But the Lord has spoken to me and therefore I will act in courage that holding on to him is what courage looks like today.
I wanted to finish this series on Joshua by talking about the courage to listen to the Lord. And a spiritual formation is key to this. How do people grow in God? What are the building blocks of becoming a disciple of Jesus? How do people learn to discern God's voice? And after this series finishes, we're going to have a couple of weeks doing something else. And then we're going to do a five-part series on hearing the voice of God. Because it's all very well to me for me to talk about listening to God, to listen and obey. But if you're not sure how to hear the voice of God, that becomes quite difficult. And so we wanted to just give some tools to say, actually, this is the starting block of the Christian life is learning to hear God's voice. And there's some really, really helpful tools that will help us in that process of hearing God's voice. But living a spiritually courageous life is far from easy. Being formed in God's likeness involves the struggle to move from absurd living to obedient listening. The word absurd includes the word sardis, which means deaf. Absurd living is the way of life in which we remain deaf to the voice that speaks to us. The many activities in which we're involved, the many concerns that keep us preoccupied, and the many sounds that surround us make it very hard to hear the sheer silence through which God's presence is made known. It seems that the noisy, busy world conspires against hearing that voice and tries to make us absolutely deaf. And it's therefore not surprising that we often wonder in the midst of our very occupied and preoccupied lives if anything is truly happening. Our lives can be filled with so many events, so many events that we often wonder, how on earth am I going to get these done? And at the same time, we may feel unfulfilled and wonder if being busy but bored, involved yet lonely, is a symptom of the absurd life. The life in which we no longer hear the voice of the one who created us and calls us to a new life. At the heart of that is, God, where are you? It's just this spiritual deafness of, Lord, where are you in this? Now, this absurd life is extremely painful because it makes us feel like we're living in exile away from the Lord, cut off from the vital source of his existence. But the obedient life develops our abilities to hear and sense God's presence and activities. The word obedience includes the word ordeal, which means listening. So I love that. In the word obedient is the word listening. The obedient life is one in which we listen with great attention to God's spirit within and among us. And the great news of God's revelation is not simply that God exists, but also that God is actively present. Our God is a God who cares, who heals, who guides, who directs, who challenges, who confronts, who, and, and ultimately he forms us. To be obedient means to be constantly attentive to this active presence and to allow God, who is only love, to be the source as well of the goal of all that we think and say and do. Developing ears to hear the Lord's voice takes time and we all have a strong resistance to listening. We, we sometimes suffer from the fear of empty space because we're so concerned with being useful and effective and in control that a useless, ineffective and uncontrollable moment scares us. So it's that moment of, I'm not doing anything. I've got to do something. I've got to achieve something. Do you know, at the heart of listening to the Lord is sometimes that it feels like we're being completely useless because all that we're doing is listening and we're waiting. And we're like, Lord, I'm just going to wait on you. I'm going to wait on your voice. And so really, I'm trying to draw a link between this idea of listening. And so just coming full circle, what do I think it means to live courage from heaven? 
I think that we have to wait on the Lord and that we have to obey him when he speaks. So let me just talk to you. This last week, for instance, how have you listened to the Lord within your life? Do you have some way of listening to the Lord? Do you have some kind of rhythm? For some of you, it's something that's been developed over the years and it just happens in the moment. But for others of you, you've never developed this habit of listening to the Lord. And if that's you, I just wanna give you a really easy starting point. I would say, start by sitting for five, between five and 10 minutes in the morning and just sitting. And what you do is you invite the presence of God. You know on a Sunday when I'm like, I'm just gonna invite the presence of God, that you do the same thing in your own house and that you sit there and you wait for the presence of God to fill you. At that point, if that begins to happen in your life daily, you will start to act courageously. Why? Because the Lord will begin to speak to you. And that you'll sit there and you'll be like, Lord, is there anything that you wanna say for today? Lord, fill me with your spirit. As you sit there and you maybe have a little pad next to you and you just sit there and you go, Lord, is there anything that you wanna say today? And you write it down. Then suddenly it will begin to change the way that you live. Because could you imagine, the thing that we're actually most terrified of is that the Lord actually speaks. Isn't it? So we like the concept of God speaking, but actually most of us like, what happened if he did actually speak and I actually have to do it? It will transform the way we live. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. At the heart of serving the Lord is to listen and to obey. Why don't we stand?